Hey, time now, as we do every fourth Wednesday of the month, we talk to our superintendent of schools, Dr. Paul Peterson, and he is in studio. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Karen. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. I'm sure your spirits are buoyed. You just had the referendum that passed on November 7th for the school district yeah. of what was it, 115? 105. 105, right. It was The 115 was if both mm. parts of the the question were were uh, voted for, but the first part was passed by, and I, maybe you can tell me the, the numbers I don't recall now. Yeah, yeah. so the first, uh, first question passed uh, percentage-wise, 52-48. It was a little over 500-vote margin. So was we felt, it? Yeah, okay. so we felt really good about that, um, you know, given the... Given the conditions of of elections across the state, and yeah, question one uh, moving forward, and so yeah, we're this this is a fun week for us to give thanks and be grateful for voters and um, and about kind of all that's all that's to come here. So now that passed. Now what happens? What's next? Well, um, it's we 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 talked long um, over the course of the campaign about how several of our projects were considered shovel ready. And um, those were able to be shovel ready because we had just we had delayed so many of these things for several years through COVID and the pandemic and right. the economy and all of that. And so we were still working behind the scenes, getting design plans ready for if and when a referendum did pass, we could hit the ground running. And and so we already have three bid projects out. Oh, um, so t- talk about those a little bit. Yeah. More. So um, not not. I mean, this is this referendum. It, it, will impact a lot of our schools, some very large projects, some relatively minor that we might be able to knock off just within one summer. But uh, we do have uh, about four or five, five or six of our pro- projects that are shovel ready. And so bids are out for um, some of the secure entrances that we talked about during the campaign for our elementary schools. Um, it, probably the largest project no doubt the largest project that is shovel ready and we will be collecting bids this winter is for the pool um, over and that's at west and yep that's mm-hmm. the west attendance area pool um, that will be built at dakota meadows um, that will be a long project so that's, west will no longer have a pool period right yep that what that, happens to that area because i know it's been vacant for a long time it has been and, and that's why this referendum was so important because that whole area of the building um kind of that south that that's the north end of that building will really look different. The pool area will get torn off. That will be incorporated into a new three-station gym. Oh, um, okay. The fine arts center will move up to where the current gym space is. Um, we'll get all of that kind of repurposed, and uh, there just flat out isn't enough space around there to do an eight-lane competitive and community pool. So that that will go up the hill uh, to Upper North um, at Dakota Meadows. Um, that west redes- the the west remodeling. Um, is going to take a lot of design work, and um, we've got some conceptual ideas, but we really want to engage with um, back with our West staff and and kids about what that uh, all needs to incorporate as we get uh, ready for construction down the down the line. Okay, so you bids bids happen, and then how long does it usually take to go through that process? To I mean, it's shovel ready, but you can't do it until you get through the steps. <laughs> yeah, and we got to get through the winter. You know, they're right. We, we won't be able to you know be putting on uh, new entrances in some of our schools, and we won't be digging any footings until uh, springtime. Sure, but uh, but yeah, bid bid, and we're really hoping that the winter is going to be a good time that we can get the attention of some contractors. Uh, like always, we want to do as much as we can locally. 
and the Mankato area has some fantastic contractors that we work with all the time. So they know that these projects are coming. We know, you know, we've already had questions from them about timeline. And so as those bid specs get out, um, that usually, you know, can take a month to six weeks. We collect the bids, you know, as a public institution, you got to take the lowest responsible bidder Mm -hmm. um, and do reference checks. and, And before you know it, you know, we will hit spring and um, I think the logistics of some of the larger projects is really going to be fun to think about and work through and how you how you build entrances while at the same time, you know, they, they could very well not be ready by the time school starts, you know, in a school year. And so then oh. how you how, how do people enter the buildings? And yeah. um, I think especially at West, the, the pool area at Dakota Meadows is going to it's almost like a standalone because it's going to be over by that parking lot. Sure, it'll, just add Yeah, it'll it'll disrupt parking and maybe some of the backfields. But I think some of the front-facing things um, will just require a, a little bit of coordination, a little bit of patience. But I think at the when it's all said and done and when it's all finished, uh, I think we're going to be really proud of what uh, the community's done. And now, how many schools are going to get actually new secure entrances? Is that pretty much yeah. s- system-wide? Yeah, so that'll be 10. Okay, it will and, be. Yep, and so at the end of all of these projects, we will have single points of entry in all of our schools. Okay. And that was, you know, a, the, the, a key feature as we were out talking with community members, just informing them about this election. Mm-hmm. That seemed to resonate the most. Um, in, safety. Yep, uh, school safety. Um, not uh, trying to scare people thinking our schools aren't safe and that, you know, you, you can't be sending your kids and you shouldn't be visiting our schools. It's just... Well, in this climate, you know, yeah. one never knows. It can happen anywhere. It really can. And so school districts, school boards, taking reasonable measures to help uh, not uh, create uh, institutions and, you know, not making schools look like prisons, but at the same time, having an entrance system where you know who's in your school... Um, you've you've checked them out. You've asked what their business is, and uh, I th- I think that the plans don't go too far, but they also go a little farther than a simple buzzer system. You know that provides access to the whole building. Because now you've got a buzzer system at East, correct? Yeah, well, e- East is really the gold standard. You know, we're oh, we're okay. really hoping that East is because at East you can get into the front vestibule, right? And you're in out of the elements, um, but. You're not going to get through the next set of doors to access the kids, the staff, all of the square footage of these large schools without going through the office. So you can get in out of the elements, but then you're directed through the office where you're signing in, they're swiping a badge, they're um, okay. you know, providing a welcoming face. But at the same time, in order to get to their next part of the building, you got to have a purpose to be there. So that's what the, the, the other ones will look like in that sort of... Yep. That. Yeah, and, and some of the schools will require building a new entrance. I think of like Hoover and Kennedy, where we'll actually be building out um, a a small office and entrance area to make all that happen. But in other schools, uh, when we think of like a Jefferson or a Franklin, their offices are actually quite well positioned now. We just need to pop in a few doors, maybe build a couple walls, um, reroute people when they get to the building. Those will be smaller projects. but again, other areas, Dakota Meadows, that front entrance area is going to need to look quite a bit different. Um, we'll just be moving some things around internally. Um, but yeah, there's there's going to be a lot to it. So it's retrofitting, essentially, yeah. these schools that some of them are fairly old and some of them aren't that old. But when you do it, as you mentioned, spring. So are we talking by fall? We'll all have new, do you think it'll 
be yeah. able to do that quickly? Nope. nope. This nope. will this will okay. be multi-year. Oh, okay. Um, we we will do our uh, facilities department affectionately calls some of these projects part of the summer slam, uh, which you ah. can actually when kids leave in early June and before they show up in early September, there's a window there where you can actually maybe um, crank out an entire project. Right. But most of these are not. They are um, the ones not on vacation in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And and so many of these will uh, be phased. We won't do all 10 at the same time. Um, we're hoping that we have some consistency with local contractors. And so mm-hmm. people who want to bid and, and know that they don't have to do them all at once, um, but they can move their shop you know, ac- across our district. So we'll have a full-on phase timeline um, for our community. Uh, our board will be working with our um, construction partners, and then uh, we'll share that with staff, community members here. Prob- we'll probably have something like that really um, tuned up and ready early in uh, the next calendar year. Okay. So people know when things will be happening. So how good or how long is this thing that we passed good for it, $105 million? So, I mean, will it be, because I know before we talked about about every 10 years yeah. you have to go back. Is that what we're thinking? Or because the second question didn't pass, maybe have to come back sooner? You know, that that, that will be an interesting community conversation over the next several years. I, I do think that if if we stick to the 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 pattern of about every 10 years you know that would put us out to you know 2030 2033 mm-hmm. where we're looking at um what the facility needs are my and i i put my money when we look at facility needs this this referendum is really about the adequacy of our current facilities mm-hmm. i think that the next referendum down the road sure. well down the road will be about capacity because that was really something that was pushing on us about seven, eight, seven years ago. Well, when Prairie Winds was built, right? Um, it was, we got to get those middle school kids out of East. Uh, they need a school. And so we can just breathe a little bit. East <laughs> East Junior and Senior High was just jam-packed. Filled the yeah. <laughs> just filled. Yeah. And so we needed a little bit of relief there. I My money is on um, um, early elementary um, enrollment growth that's going to require us to look at the capacity of east attendance area and west attendance area elementary schools um, and thinking that there, there might need to be something built um, in that arena but is there growth projected i mean because you, you know we we kind of go through these cycles I, you know seems that there's you know so many students in a classroom and then yeah. we kind of get to a little lull especially during the pandemic things mm-hmm. uh, some didn't come back to school went right. to alternatives right right and uh, i think that mankato is in a unique position because across the state um in greater minnesota everyone is really paying close attention to the birth rate um and it's it's dropped um, there are just fewer kids being born, which means fewer people coming through the doors of pre-K through 12. And I know that the university sees that too. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. those are university folks are watching those numbers like a hawk right. because those are future enrollees, um, future kids in institutions like MSU. Um, but I think I think Mankato is just a tad unique because number one, being a regional center, that's key. But just the continued growth of the community with businesses and industry, profit and nonprofit, um, people looking at this region and saying, you know, maybe the Twin Cities isn't really my cup of tea, but, you know, I can go an hour south of that and get a whole lot of feel of a, of a metro area 
lot of amenities, a lot of community assets. And I think an important part of that is making sure that we have strong public institutions. MSU, my gosh, I mean, that is leading the way uh, when it comes to universities and colleges in the state. Well, you know, you talked about the universities because a lot of universities, I mean, St. Cloud is is less than half of the numbers they used to have. And MSU is pretty much held steady, Mm -hmm. but a lot of folks are are going down. So we're fortunately, things have been kind of holding steady, but not booming. Yeah. Well, and when I look at what happens at MSU, I, I really see two things happening. Number one, MSU does an incredible job of attracting high high talent highly talented people uh you know people 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 when it comes to making connections with your undergrads and their families and and i think that's really important but also what msu has really led with is not simply um, working through the current reality but looking out and saying what does higher ed need to look like three years five years ten years from now and Mankato has led that. Um, I think that our K-12 system is uh, c- can learn a lot from how MSU Mankato has positioned itself. And we're excited now that the referendum's over. We're, we're excited to kind of get back into some of our strategic visioning and thinking with community about the state of K-12 public education because we're really proud of what we do. We also know that it needs to continue to be responsive to a changing community and and. That's uh, that's exciting work. I think, you know, when the referendum was uh, being considered, we would get mailings and things talking about how we, we, you and I have talked about this before, about wanting fancy buildings versus the test scores going now. What is being done with the test scores? Because I know there are people concerned about that, that that the the averages have been sliding. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as as we look at that, the COVID pit, that everyone was in, Mm -hmm. we see so many indicators in our system that our staff um, are grabbing kids where they're at and moving them along. We do formative assessment um, and we do, we we don't simply just wait until the springtime to test kids to see if they've learned Mm -hmm. anything. Our teachers are engaging with kids every step of the way. um, And our data last year was significantly better than it was, say, three years ago. And two years ago was better than it was three years ago. But the stuff that we're collecting now from kids, both their academic achievement, whether it's through reading and math formative uh, information, through some NWEA map assessments that kids will be taking this winter, um, all in preparation for some of the highly, the, the more high stakes standardized tests mm-hmm. that get reported to the media and, and people yeah. kind of look to, they're, they're looking to see if-, if It's a baseline uh, of it sorts. Is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our indicators academically are really telling us that our teachers um, have identified where kids are and have figured out ways to accelerate and intervene with those who need us the most. Um, And I think that our teaching and learning department um, has been laser focused on that for the last two years now. And um, we are, we're we're on the the point of, uh, because we saw some significant growth in a few of our schools last year. And, you know, when when teachers see that those level of results, it just fills them up with, my gosh, we can do this. And um, the pride is there. And then they don't want that to slip. And, of course, with kids, that is their access to furthering their – well, it's further access into curriculum. Because if, if we don't have strong literacy and uh, numeracy skills at those early levels, it really limits what kids can access later on in the curriculum. Um, and then affects, uh, you know, maybe what they're thinking of when they get to high school and beyond. 
Are the schools doing more practical training? You know, we used to talk in the old days, we had shop and things yeah. like that would sort of train you to be out and get out and, and get good paying jobs right out of school and that kind of thing. Because we talk about maybe not everybody's going to college. Maybe yep. you don't need a college degree for everything anymore. Have the schools gone more toward that in some senses? Yeah, yeah. The the, the language that we use here in Mankato that we've really um, kind of rallied around is this concept of ensuring that our kids are future ready. Okay. And uh, future ready is much more inclusive than simply saying, we need to get you ready for college or we, we need to get you ready for a four-year institution. Well, okay. Um that still is the pathway for many of our graduates. Right. And so we want to make sure we do that. We also know that we have incredibly strong two-year institutions right around this area that kids sometimes enter into. We also know that kids sometimes enter the world of work right away. Um, we know that we still have students that are entering into the military. And so making sure by the time you hit 18 and you hit your graduation date and you get that diploma, that as an 18-year-old, that doesn't the school system can't ensure or shouldn't be thinking that that person is ready for everything in their life. Right. They're still 18. Right. They're still going to go through a whole lot of development, but they need to be ready for their future, whatever that next step is. And so to your question, yes, we do a lot of pathway work at our high schools. Um, just yesterday, the West High School coffee shop opened up. Two girls standing in front talking about how for two and a half hours a day, they are working in their entrepreneur class, entre- entrepreneurship class. Okay. And they were is they they started that thing at the ground level, and yesterday was the ribbon cutting with GMG. Those sorts of hands-on, authentic, real life. I mean, they're making real coffee, collecting mm-hmm. real money, um, trying to figure out how much they need to charge for the coffee, where they need to buy it from, what what the licensing that they need from the state of Minnesota. So whether it's in entrepreneurship or healthcare or education or science, um, agri-science especially here within our region, more and more, um, we've got great career college readiness coordination. But I've always said that if we will know we're doing it right here in Mankato when we need way more than just one coordinator. You know, we, oh. we should need multiple people managing all these kids out in community um, kind of wrestling with. So we're not there yet. We're not. We're we definitely haven't hit our vision yet, but our percentage of kids who are engaged in either work-based learning, internships, job shadows, has really spiked in the last year, um, and we just see that number continuing to grow as we build more partnerships with local business. I want to talk about question two that did not pass on the referendum. Yeah. That would would have been what ten million? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yep, Fifteen. 15. Excuse me. Fifteen million. And what would that have included? So what is not happening? Yep. So question two involved basically taking both the East and West High School outdoor athletic stadiums and remodeling, repur- not repurposing, but really remodeling those. Um, and um, that would include synthetic turf, uh, mm-hmm. stadium turf at both East and West. Um, it would be enlarging the track areas from eight lane to a nine lane. Uh, fat track, Um, and then just all of the other things that go with um, outdoor facility improvements. So bleachers and lights and restrooms and concession stands and um, getting those two um, stadiums more in line with some of the emerging things we're seeing, not only in our athletic conference, but really across the state as high schools have have invested dollars in just strengthening those outdoor facilities for their kids. So are they adequate now? You know, I, hats off to our maintenance crew. Our, our activities directors, you know, do everything that they possibly can to make sure that the experience for our kids especially, 
and our staff and then the guests who come to watch football or track and or all of the the middle school uh, opportunities in our stadiums um, are that people have a, a good experience and th- these are these are not stadiums that are in disrepair um, I think that what, so they're not dangerous they're not absolutely not dangerous that's good to know <laughs> yeah I think that what question two was putting in front of voters is as we look out to the next five seven ten sure. years what sorts of facilities do we expect our kids to be playing on when they're home um, as opposed to when they're in Rochester or Owatonna or Albert Lee or even at Janesville. I mean, Janesville's got quite a stadium. JWP has quite a stadium there. Um, but no, I mean, we will continue to invest dollars to, to make sure that we've got um, good, good-looking grass, um, that our scoreboards work, and, you know, the, and it's, it's just that probably once, um, you know, whether we do things in private partnership or whether it's a part of a future referendum, you know, at some point in time, those will people will be wondering, hey, there's, we might need to do something here. These are these are in rough shape. So, so the the main question was was the the really key part. Yeah, I think that our school board was very wise to separate those two out mm-hmm. to make sure that voters knew that question one when it comes to safe safe and security. West High School remodel, commitment to early education, early learning, education, childcare, and preschool. Um, those were top priorities. Um, and they were based on what the community had been saying for a number of years, that we, we probably can do a little bit better in those areas for our kids and, and staff. And uh, voters agreed with them. So, Paul, now that that's passed, now do you go to, what, Jamaica or something? <laughs> Yeah, it's now. I mean, what's next? You know, what's the next big thing? Yeah, well, obviously? you know, as as we look at um, the the kind of the arc of the school year, we're we're getting close to the end of twenty twenty three. That that means that um, you know we've been looking back on our our past budgets. Things are really coming in in good shape. I mean, you look at the biggies with enrollment and your budget, and then student learning. We've got a lot of arrows pointing in the right direction, which is exciting. That probably the next large item for our school district to re-engage in is we have been involved in a strategic planning process that um, hopefully helps reset uh, expectations. And and as you were asking about um, some of those hands-on learning things, Mm -hmm. redefine what it means to go to school in Mankato. Um, That is going to take a a lot of that takes a lot of planning. Um, It's going to be multi-year. But uh, what we've really centered in on when we're asking parents and when we're asking kids and staff members, what do you want that daily experience to look like? What do you what do you expect to happen when your kid goes to school or when you go to school or if you're a teacher? Um, what what is the optimal? And as we grab those themes from people, and then have our school board and our district leaders wrestle with, okay, how does our current system support that? And then maybe what are some of the things in our in our system that needs to go away to reflect this the expectations and the desires of the people who engage with the public system? So that is the stuff that really charges me up. I mean, the, the referendum was exciting. That next part is really back to teaching and learning and what school is all about. Our staffing levels doing well because you know we've talked about the yeah. the issue of having trouble getting teachers in Paris and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. How is how is that going? Yeah, teach, thank thank goodness teachers were in really good shape. Um, I oh, think good. that Mankato continues to be a again as a regional center. 
people want to be here. I think we have really competitive uh, wages and benefits. We have settled a great contract with our staff this past fall for our teachers. So did the, I think there was an increase in like pay for Paris and things and yeah. that helped. That that did help. Paraprofessionals uh, continues to be a struggle. Um, there's just so much competition in the, in the regional market for the skills that a paraprofessional has. Mm-hmm. Um, we are paying better than, than we have in the past and we needed to get there. But um, but paraprofessionals, you and I have talked about this. That is they're key. Tough. It's yeah. they're so. But it's a tough job. Yeah. Key people, tough work, um, and we need as many as we can get. So anybody listening, uh, think about it. Yeah, yeah, think about being a paraprofessional, even if it's part time. Yeah, it can be incredibly reward re- rewarding. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Paul, for coming in. We're out of time. Yeah, but you bet. It's always great to see you, and I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much, Karen. We'll see you next month. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye bye. All right, there we go. The superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools, Dr. Paul Peterson, uh, visiting us again to talk about the things going on in our district.